Welcome to episode eight of TASA's Inspiring Leaders podcast. I'm Eric Simpson, and on today's episode, we visit with the superintendent of Community ISD, Roosevelt Nivens. Nivens was awarded the National Association of Black School Educators Superintendent of the Year Award in November 2019, only a couple short weeks after a tragic car accident killed four of his students and devastated his community. The way his district came together to support each other after the accident served as an inspiration for a message of unity that Nibbins and his fellow municipal leaders released in response to the civil unrest that arose after the killing of George Floyd over the summer. What we have to do is to start embracing one another for our differences. Uh, you know, and even though the racial unrest is what kind of kicked it all off, you know, my, my goal and my vision and my thought is, you know, you can't lead people that you alienate. We'll hear more about Nibbins' unifying leadership approaches, as well as how his life experiences continue to shape his vision for how to serve all students. We'll also hear again from Texas Association of Latino Administrators and Superintendents President Garland ISD's Ricardo Lopez about the work Talis is doing to promote equity across the state. God didn't draw uh, intelligence through zip codes. You know, brilliance is everywhere. But first, here's TASS Executive Director Kevin Brown. Hello, friends, and thanks for joining us for another podcast. And thanks to Eric Simpson for always doing a great job putting these together. I hope that you're doing as well as possible during this really difficult time. This is an opportunity for leadership. Uh, There's no doubt about it. We've never needed stronger leaders than what we have today. But to me, the best leaders are those who can bring a community together, those who can unify uh, all the elements of your community um, and make sure that they are not divided. You can do that in a very aspirational and inspirational way. I don't believe people care any about anything more than children and what their success can be. And you are in a unique position to be able to allow people to really dream big about their children and about the future of their community. It is very easy to tear a community down and to be divisive and to be ugly uh, to one another. It takes a great leader to build up something uh, big. It it takes a leader to bring people together. It takes a leader to be a community unifier. Um, And it takes a leader to be able to be a voice for those who are otherwise voiceless, whether it's children of color, whether it is children in poverty, whether it's children with special learning needs, um, whatever those may be. Uh, you get to be in a position that makes a difference for everyone. And I think that's a huge responsibility, but it's also a huge privilege to be in that role. So I hope that this is helpful to you, this podcast, and being part of your arsenal as you being a community leader and a community unifier who can take your community in a place of success and that that success extends even beyond your tenure in that community. Thanks for all the work you do. I hope you know every day how much I appreciate you and uh, all that you bring uh, to leadership and to TAS in your community. If there's anything we can ever do, please let us know. Enjoy this podcast. This episode is sponsored by ClassLink. Today's education environment demands that schools are prepared for quick shifts between remote, in-person, and blended learning. Students need easy access to online resources, Teachers and administrators need actionable analytics. ClassLink makes the switch to remote learning less complicated by creating consistency in how students and staff engage with digital learning tools. Both teachers and administrators have the ability to track engagement with resources. Over 300 Texas school districts use ClassLink to provide students with easy access 
to instructional resources at any time from anywhere and on any device. Visit www.classlink.com remote learning to learn more. My guest today is Dr. Roosevelt Mivens. He's been superintendent in Community ISD for the past five years and was awarded the 2019 Joseph E. Hill Superintendent of the Year by the National Association of Black School Educators. This was less than two weeks after a tragic car accident took the lives of four of his students. Nibbins unified his community through this tragedy and continues to find ways to strengthen the connections between the district and the towns that make up Community ISD. In July of 2020, Nibbins released a video called We Are Community. You can get the link in our show notes, but here's a clip in it. Nibbins, all six foot five of them, stands in front of school board members, elected municipal leaders, and law enforcement officials to talk about the importance of the moment. It's very important to me that the adults get it right because our kids are watching us. Our kids, our children, see everything that we do. And if we want them to live in a better world than where we are, it's our responsibility for them to inherit that world. It's our responsibility to make sure that we set them up for success. And if it's not us, then who will it be? Roosevelt Nivens sat down with us in August to discuss his leadership non-negotiables, how his background as a son of two dedicated educators, and his experiences as a child of color in the public school system influence his understanding of what all kids need from their school. Roosevelt Nivens, welcome to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Well, Community ISD had already faced trauma earlier in 2019 when four of your high school students were killed in a car accident. I imagine that the the trauma of that, coupled with the pandemic, had to leave kids feeling pretty vulnerable. Uh, it, it's hard to look at a disaster and say, ah, that's somewhere else, that won't affect me, when you've just come through a disaster. Right, yeah, so, you know, in, yeah, in the fall, we lost four individuals, four young people uh, to a tragic car accident. And, um, you know, it's hard to say good came out of that, uh, but the positive in that, uh, was how everyone came together to support those four families. And uh, we had international support. We had people from the UK. We had people from from uh, as far as Asia uh, sending us messages and well wishes and sending us cards and gift cards for the families. Um, and so that's why we capitalized the UNITY in community because, you know, we, we were all very unified. Uh, and it really helped us help our students understand and be able to talk through what what had happened um because you know it had and it impacted my own family you know so uh, one of the young ladies that was killed in the car accident was in cosmetology class with my daughter and the day before that she had just finished my daughter's nails they were partners in doing fingernails and so uh the next day you know imagine you know my daughter finding out that you know one of her great one of her good friends in class her partner is 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 no longer on earth. Uh, so you know, as a dad, it impacted me and my child um, so much so that you know we just took her to college this weekend, and she still has she took up she took those nails off, and she has them in a little box, and she took the took that to college with her in memory of her friend, and so um, it's still with us to this day. Um, but I think the one thing that came out of it was it really showed us 
how big of a community we are because we all came together to support those four families. You obviously have carried this with you throughout the year. You'll continue to carry it. You felt like community was really was really unified at that moment. And you brought that idea forward in a video that you released in July um, called We Are Community. Can you talk to us about um, the events that led you to the decision to publish that video? So, um, yeah, during July, as we all know, that, you know, our, our whole, our nation was going through a lot of, uh, you know, uh, George Floyd death had happened and we had uh, riots and we had looting and we had peaceful protests also, but we had just a lot of civil unrest in our nation. I just believe that as a leader, you have to say something. People look for you to say something. Uh, you have to lead by example and you have to verbally lead as well. I've been talking to our communities and to our students about let's change the world from within. So let's start here. Let's be such a beacon of light and hope um, and trustworthiness and faith and strong work ethic. You know, let's let's have all those traits here. Let's be so strong here that we teach our children those traits, how to do that. And then when they go out to the world, it starts to impact the world. You know, kind of like kind of like the virus, <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> contagious, right? Um, and so uh, what I wanted to do was to show the world that in community ISD and the four towns we serve, that all of our elected officials, uh, all of our appointed leaders, our pastors, myself, our mayor, city councilmen, school board members, uh, you name it, anybody that is considered a leader that has an impact in this district, we're all unified for a common purpose, which is to make sure that our children are successful. What we have to do is to start embracing one another for our differences. And so, uh, you know, and even though the racial um, unrest is what kind of kicked it all off, you know, my, my goal and my vision and my thought is, you know, you can't lead people that you alienate. <laughs> I'm the first African-American superintendent in community ISD, and uh, we don't have a lot of African-American students or families in the district. And so when I came, uh, there was a little bit of tension when I came just from a small, small very small set of people. Um, but the majority of the folks said, no, that's that's not what we're about. And so, you know, we're going to embrace Dr. Nivis because he brings a skill set that we need for our school system. And so my family and I, we have been completely embraced by the citizens and the and the people of this of this of these communities, we just wanted to show that regardless of what you look like and who you are, and community ISD, you're gonna you're gonna be embraced for your for your differences. Our kids come here, our parents send their students here, knowing they're gonna be cared for, regardless of what they look like, where they come from, what they believe, uh, because we have a common goal as to as to helping our students be successful. Something that struck me was that you're obviously all social distancing as you as you should be, right, um, right. but the 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 expression on their faces, the body language, your body language, um, really shows that everyone is connecting at, at this deep level. And so it's it's an interesting visual. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about who all is in that video? So we have uh, so Communitized D serves four towns. We serve Levon, Nevada, Josephine, and Copeville. But I first called all the uh, the mayors uh, of those towns, and everyone I reached out to agreed within one minute of of me. No one had to think about it at all, and so I say that's the power of relationships because I have a personal relationship with everyone in that video. 
reached out to the mayors. Uh, then I called the pastors. Um, I called the chiefs of police because I thought it was important. Uh, I called the Collin County uh, Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Skinner. Uh, I also called uh, uh, Kenny Noble, who is our state representative. And uh, I also called Justin Holland, but he was out of town, and, but he he wanted to make it as well. And so, um, and then of course my school board members. And so, uh, you know, none of it could have happened without their support of the vision uh, that I brought, uh, and you know, to the district. Everybody in that video, uh, I have a personal relationship with, and they agree within seconds of me asking, because they all understand the vision of our school district. You know, this this video is doing a lot of heavy lifting. It seems that it's 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 bringing, like you said, these different communities together, these these different you know systems together. What it's not necessarily doing is trying to solve, uh, answer big racial questions, but whenever you're actually like with kids and as you're moving into this school year, um, how do you continue that work of, of equity, of social justice? You said that you don't have a, a large population of African-American students. So you know, where does race fit into some of this conversation? whenever, you know, as, as an instructional leader? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, the main thing is I want to lead by example. You may see in the video, you know, I'm 6'5", you know, I'm a large dude, you know, I'm, a, I'm an office alignment. So, you know, I'm an old office alignment and, you know, office alignment is smart and big. And so, <laughs> um, so I'm probably the biggest guy walking, walking around probably this whole area. <laughs> and so it's funny when you see me and you see pre-K babies that don't look like me hugging me, hugging me on my knee. And it's a bunch of them around me. And that just shows that issues that we come up with as adults, racial issues, socioeconomic issues, uh, gender issues, sexual preference issues, those issues are taught and, and uh, learned when, when kids are kids. They have no idea about those differences. They care about the people that care about them. That's really the bottom line to it. It doesn't matter what I look like when I walk into that classroom and it's me and it's a bunch of little white babies in that classroom. When I smile at them, they smile back. When I give them a high five, they give me a high five back. When I tie their shoes, they are thankful. And so it is, it, it, it's really just that. We have to lead by example. And uh, again, I want, I want our example to be so powerful that people see that around this nation and people understand that. And then our kids, when they leave here, they take that example with them. You know, being, being uh, a black instructional leader in, in a majority white district, people have asked me questions about my personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm able to share my personal experiences once asked. You know, I don't impose that on people, uh, but I have, you know, I have had the same experiences that a lot of people have had. Uh, uh, you know, I cast, like I said, I cast a big shadow when I go into places. And so, um, you know, looking, looking like I look, there are certain places I have to go and I have to make sure I'm in a suit. Uh, I have to make sure that I don't look threatening. I have to make sure that my behavior is a certain way because of how people will perceive that. And that's just, that's just a part of life that I have to embrace. And that's the part of life that my dad taught me how to, how to deal with. And so people have asked me that and I've been able to share that with folks because people have questioned you know, what has your been, what's been your experience? Uh, and, you know, and folks want to learn about it. And so uh, I can share that, but that has not been my experience here in this community. Man, it's, 
you know, if I can, I'll retire here if I could, as long as I don't, you know, as long as they don't run me off and get tired of me. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great place because, you know, everybody's embraced for who they are. Your experience will influence the way that you make decisions and the way that you see, you know, uh, issues. So how has your experience helped you to navigate conflict in, in different identities within a community? Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, people understand I have an expectation that folks will be treated with, everybody will be treated with dignity and respect. And so uh, that's an expectation I have. It's not, it's not a, it's not an option under my leadership mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I, I, I have experiences to where I was not, and I know how that made me feel. And so I want to make sure that the people we serve, the adults we serve, the students that we serve, when they leave us, they understand, even if we disagree on everything else, we all, we all agree on that we will all, we all will be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of what we look like, where we come from, what we are. Um, and so that's, that's my main, that's my main message is that that is my expectation. That's my non-negotiable. Uh, and if you don't want to meet that non-negotiable, then community is not the place for you. You know, there's a different place for you. I don't know where that is, but it's not here. (laughs) And so, um, and so as a leader, you know, you have to be willing to do the things that only the leader can do. And I think that only I can be the one to set that vision and expectation where everybody understands that when you come here, Regardless of what it is, everybody will be treated with dignity, honor, and respect. Because, you know, your community is a little bit more rural and you don't have a large population of African-American students. I imagine that you could have, you could have chosen not to put out a message of unity and equity and it wouldn't have stuck out necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. Whenever you were reaching out to community leaders, um, was there any hesitation about where the message was going to go? And as a philosophical, as a moral leader, you know, what do you see as your role in bringing some of this outside unrest into the, the conversation? Yeah, there wasn't any hesitation from anyone that I asked. Uh, and I think it's because of our personal relationship that we have. They all completely trusted the message that I was going to bring to the community. I didn't have to tell them what I was going to talk about ahead of time. They didn't say, okay, so what are we going to do? They didn't do any of that. I just say, you know what? I, I want to show. I want to shoot a video of us standing in unity while I address the community about uh, how unified we are. And they said, "Okay, I'll be there." When is it? And that that was really the, that was really just the conversation. It was, it was a beautiful moment. You know, there's a, there's a moment about halfway through the video, kind of the enormity of the message, the enormity of the moment. It seems to catch up to you personally, and there is a moment where yeah, you kind of have to. Uh, you, you falter a little bit, right? Uh, before being able to move on, you know, these are kind of catching your throat. And in, in many of those, in many videos like that, you'll see the camera zoom in on um, the person who's speaking and having that emotional reaction. And what I saw in your video was you started showing the reactions of uh, the people around you. They did a really excellent job of capturing the empathy. Um, in the faces of those around you. That was just a really powerful moment. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what you were feeling there? Yeah, so everybody here knows I'm the world's biggest crybaby when it comes to to, to, to young people and kids. Um, you know, I have a, I have a story of, uh, you know, I was that kid that didn't learn how to, didn't know how to read. And I had uh, several teachers who um, would make me get up from the class and read knowing I couldn't read, and then they would laugh at, laugh at me with the other kids. 
And so uh, it was, it, then I met one particular teacher named Ann McKinney who just completely changed my life. Um, and so, and I was, a, I'm, I'm a student from a two parent household that are both educators, master's degree educated. Uh, one, my dad was a college football coach. My mom was a high school teacher. And um, so it's easy to slip through the cracks, even when you have such a strong family unit as I had. That's how powerful school is. That's how powerful teachers are. And so uh, I'm a living witness to that. And so when I think about that and I think about the young faces of, of kids that are depending on us to make sure that we set them up for success, to make sure that we give them the right example, it always makes me choke up, uh, always. Because I was that kid that needed an adult outside of the household to make sure that I did I just didn't get lost in the shuffle. That's going to tell me where I would be at this point uh, if I didn't have that one teacher who just grabbed me. She saw me just, she saw me in quicksand. And I think my nose was just barely, I was just barely breathing. Uh, and she reached down and grabbed me and pulled me up and was like, no, uh, these are the expectations I have for you. That's why I'm strong on expectations and understanding what they are. And she stuck with me throughout my career. Uh, she would send me notes periodically, even in my adulthood. And so uh, it just took that one person. And so I think about that one, you know, if all of us can be that one person for a kid, imagine how how great all of our children will be as adults. And so that's why I get choked up about it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a mission, it's a ministry, it's a passion that I have to make sure that students that come through my under my leadership we find the ones that are sinking in quicksand, we pull them out. And the ones that are very successful, we push them up uh, to be the best they can be. But you've also been that person, uh, I'm guessing, to some other leaders. Um, you know, not too long ago, you were with us in the first time Superintendents Academy, um, you know, talking to those first year superintendents. Um, Ricardo uh, Lopez was there with you on, on a panel um, th that we all got to do together. And um, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, Ricardo talked a lot about his work with Talus and how that has supported him um, and other leaders. Can you talk to us a little bit about how Tabsy has um, you know, played a role in your development? I was introduced to Tabsy by uh, Michael McFarland, who is currently the superintendent in Crowley. He was a superintendent in Lancaster when I was a high school principal there. Um, and so, uh, he asked me what I want to be, you know, when I grow up kind of, and I said, I want to be a superintendent. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to make sure that you're ready. And so he introduced me to Tabsy and Nabsy. And uh, in that really, really helped me connect with mentors of, of people that are like-minded uh, and people that look like me and had the same struggles as I have being an African-American leader. Uh, and so for the likes of like, you know, Dr. Thomas Randall down on the Mark Consolidated, uh, you know, uh, Alton Fraley, who was in Katy at the time, you know, I'm around these giants of superintendents that have, that have navigated, uh, treacherous water and have had a really cleared the path for me as a, as a leader. And so Tabsy introduced me to those guys and really gave me a skill set and gave me an understanding that I needed to have, uh, to make sure that I can not only become a superintendent, but sustain the position of being a superintendent. And what, what does that take? What does that mean? And so, uh, you know, there are a lot of guys that get into the superintendency and uh, you forget, 
what the what your purpose is and you know uh, because you get so caught up in all the political stuff and the cheerleading drama and all the other kind of stuff that gets caught up right and you forget what your purpose is and tabs you really helped me understand not to forget what your purpose is and your purpose is to ensure that all students are successful bottom line and you have to be bold enough to make decisions that are good for all students and I've had to make decisions in my district that nothing that they may not necessarily be good for my son, who is currently a junior here. The decision I make is actually going to hurt him, but it's going to be good for the whole. And so as a dad, I have to go home and tell him this is why I made the decision, because it's good for everybody. But that's also leading by leading by example. And so uh, uh, but Tabsy has been a great role model for me as an organization. And then Nabsy is the national version of Tabsy. Uh, and then I was honored last year uh, in uh, November, I was named the NABSI National Superintendent of the Year. And so uh, a huge honor to be recognized at the national level for that as well. Um, thank you for being on our podcast. Um, I hope that your your semester is uh, healthy and safe and, uh, and, and better than last year. <laughs> I appreciate that. Same to you. And I, I appreciate Tassie. Networks are an important part of leadership, and we here at TASA encourage you to seek out as many ways to develop your network as possible. Learn more about the Texas Association of Black School Educators, or TABSE, at tabse.net. That's T-A-B-S-E dot N-E-T. In my previous interview with Garland ISD's Ricardo Lopez, he discussed the difference the Texas Association of Latino Administrators and Superintendents has made in his development. You're the president in a really, really challenging time. I know, what, what's your leadership platform? Uh, if you will, for um, for your time here at Talos, I'll tell you what that um, the team the team is committed to helping um, Hispanic youth. It's not just about Hispanic um, leaders; it's about helping Hispanic youth, which is vastly the majority now in, of students in our in our state. And so the the main things that what I wanted to capitalize on, we redid our goals, so we're really focusing. We really narrowed our focus on really. Uh, doing things well when it comes to um, advocacy when it, and when it comes to ensuring that our networking with uh, empowering leaders and growing them through our um, like future superintendents academies um, is really impactful. But the other thing that I, I really focused on is creating local chapters. In Garland, we created the first state's local chapter to Talas, which is called GALA, and it's Garland Alliance of Latino um, Administrators. And so it's really exciting to watch that network grow and it and I'm gonna be honest with you it caught fire and so we learned a lot from our 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 brother or sister I already said Gapsy um, they're the Garland area and Tabsy is um, the African American statewide organization they've been great partners with us to help them grow we had a unified kickoff um, that I mean still gives me goosebumps back in January at midwinter. And we were really looking to catch momentum. And what the pandemic has done is really help us provide focus on getting um, hotspots and connectivity to all those that need it uh, to ensure that social justice is a priority, especially for our black community. We might, we might be a different organization, but what affects them affects us. How has that Black Lives Matter conversation that really took off in June um, how how has that changed conversations for you at Talos? Um, you know, when we speak about uh, equity, we're 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 in it for everybody, and so 
we we honestly believe that any ostracized person, it doesn't necessarily need to be even racial. Uh, it needs addressing. And so um, our conversations haven't wavered. We understand that there are uh, critical conversations when you're dealing with um, the poverty line and most poverty lines encompass the majority are black and brown students. And so what we need to do is be courageous in our efforts and not just say, hey, what, what's great for one, one section of the population? We have to talk about both. In my district, if you talk about both, that's looking at 67% of the population. So um, yeah. when, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, you will see um, it, it might vary because um, in my, my population, I'm more diverse than maybe some others. But we understand that the cause is no different than the human trafficking efforts that are happening in our nation right now. We understand that there is uh, prejudice against people of brown color because people are automatically assuming that they may not be illegally in, in, or legalized citizens in our country. And we realize that um, sometimes when you speak with an accent, people mistake uh, your ability to speak proper English with your intellect. And so we're always going to be educating people. We're always going to be ensuring that kids have opportunities into higher ed programs, GT programs, uh, those that are not just um, what people traditionally think as a career um, technical student and ensure that kids have their opportunities to achieve their dreams because uh, God didn't draw uh, intelligence through zip codes. You know, it, brilliance is everywhere. Our thanks again to TELUS President and Superintendent of Garland ISD, Ricardo Lopez. We thank all of you for tuning in to the TASA Inspiring Leaders Podcast. We'll have new episodes throughout the fall, so be sure to look for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Thanks to Roosevelt Nivens for this week's interview. Thank you to our sponsor, ClassLink. And until next time, from all of us at TASA World Headquarters, stay safe and healthy.